be as careful with my time mm-hmm. um, as as possible, but also make sure that people know that I'm being careful with my time and theirs. So it's it's uh, I mean, and it's it's all about uh, time, resources, and money yes. when building a company. Yes. So you either have to spend time, you either have to use a lot of resources or you either have to spend money. So whenever I'm quoting a client, whenever I'm re- uh, estimating something for te- a team, like I, I'm always doing that calculation as quickly as possible. And I'm saying, well, this is going to take too much time. So here's how much it's going to cost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Life is an endless stream of challenges, but no worries. Manoj is bringing the world's best minds right here for you. My gosh, Manoj, you just blew my mind. Thank you, universe. Manoj, thank you. I'm so grateful. Makes me feel a bit better. Thank you. Bootstrapping Your Dreams is here to give you what you need to succeed. Hello and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. I'm your host, Manoj Agarwal, and today we'll be talking with Heather Wild-Renzi, who is a CTO, she's an angel investor, a coach, and she's also an author. So um, uh, she's doing some really, really interesting thing. I'm really excited to have her. Heather, welcome. Thank you. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, take us down the memory lane. Uh, and and tell us how it all got started. You know, you are doing some really high tech stuff, and I I'm from the tech industry myself. Uh, it's not very usual to uh, interact with female uh, CTOs, uh, so uh, there must be some special stories behind it. So please do share with us. So uh, I actually have my father to blame for this one, of course, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of you out there. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have daughters um, and they might be interested in, in technology. When I was eight, uh, my dad gave me my first computer. Uh, this was 1984, so a lot of people didn't have computers. And um, he, I was actually, he was trying to um, make up for something he did that I was upset with. Mm-hmm. So he bought me a computer, all of my very own. Mm-hmm. And uh, I fell in love with it right away. And of course, I forgave him. <laughs> and, and uh yeah no I, i've just it's just been a love affair ever since with computers and programming and and robotics like my father and i we would spend uh weekends uh going to flea markets uh getting like broken down things so i could uh build transistors and and uh build all sorts of things and and that led me to becoming an engineer uh, and, uh, like, so I'm not just a programmer, but I also like have the mechanical engineering background as well. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, uh, fate just brings us to the, to the right point for whatever reason. And, uh, and we find the purpose, uh, that, that we have in life. And, uh, I think, I think it's, uh, it's uh, lucky to run into these things because a lot of people, uh, even when they are in their 60s, they fail to find exactly what they love to do, right? Absolutely. Uh, and I mean, that's one of the things like the word passion actually comes from uh, like uh, the the root of it means burning. Like mm-hmm. so that that burning feeling that you have. And th- I don't think that ever goes away. Like you, yeah. you, I mean, you could be 60, you could be 90 and you're going to have passions for things. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and they can change throughout your life. For me, it just happened to be like, every time I see a robot, I'm like, Ooh, I want to, I want to build that thing. I want to take it apart. I want to figure out how it talks. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So, so as you, um, you know, as you were going through your journey, um, 
tell us a little bit about that. Like, how did you get involved in technology? Did you go to a big company? Did you start your own startup? Uh, because I know that you uh, you are passionate about innovation. You have written a book about um, startups, which we'll talk about later. But how did it unfold for you? So uh, for me, I uh, I had my heart set on NASA. Like I wanted to become an astronaut. I wanted to go in and uh, go into space and and do all that. So um, my my dreams were to to work at NASA. And so uh, when I was 16, I got accepted into a program uh, at Marshall Space Flight Center in in Alabama. So I was working with. Uh, like I, I went to school for astronautical engineering. I was working with with the people at Marshall Space Flight Center. Unfortunately, I can't be an astronaut because of my health. So uh, they transferred me to to I got to work on uh, what became uh, the International Space Station, and uh, uh, I started programming satellites and and uh, did all all of those kinds of things, and then transferred up to uh, the Naval Research Labs in Washington D.C. Um, and so again, I was working with the military and the government, uh, early on. Um, and, uh, it, it became really difficult for me, uh, like being around all the astronauts and being around NASA, like knowing that I was never going to go into space. So, uh, I then transferred from, uh, government to private sector and I was still at a large company, but I went into, uh, game design. Mm -hmm. So, um, I started working at THQ um, which was a large game company at the time, um, about the size of Blizzard. It was a pretty big uh, international company, multinational company. And, um, and it was only after uh, THQ went bankrupt that I started working with startups. I see, I see. So it's, it's, uh, it's a, a fascinating journey. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry to hear about uh, the, 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 uh, the, the things uh, that come in the way to realizing your dreams. But that's how life is, I guess. So, so uh, tell us a little bit about what you find different between the public sector and the private sector. Because I, when I work with the, you know, government organizations, the environment is quite different. So, what are your thoughts? Uh, how do you find them? So, uh, I work a lot with the the uh, private sector and the public sector. Like, uh, in fact, I work with the Space Force and and the Air Force and and uh, a lot of uh, government entities now again. Um, and uh, I f a lot of people have the misconception that uh, it, it everything moves just at a glacial pace mm -hmm. internally. And it, it a lot of that can happen in a large enterprise, of course, any kind of enterprise. Like, I mean, you go yeah, into, yeah, I mean, even at Facebook, that kind of thing can happen. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, it's, the, the the main issue is finding the right person like that you've got the frozen middle mm -hmm. in in a government uh, entity and uh, there's a lot of people that want to get things done uh, on like the entrepreneurs like you've got a lot of entrepreneurs that want to get things done mm -hmm. you've got a lot of people at the top that want to get things done but you've got those bureaucrats that are sitting there on, in those desk jobs forever mm -hmm. that for one reason or other, just they've got all the power and nothing yeah. happens. Yeah. And a lot of that can happen. Like the, for some reason in the, the private sector, uh, people are able to be fired. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you don't, you don't tend to see that happen as much as frequently, but you can't get fired in a government position. You just get transferred. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, it doesn't happen as much. 
yeah so but but from what i know about you you are trying to change uh, quite a few things there you are working with the government in a very unique way uh, helping private sectors actually also get traction in the government so can you share a little bit about that so one of the things that uh, my team does is is we help uh, with the uh, air force and the space force with their uh, their groups called SpaceWorks and AFWorks, um, which are the innovation programs for uh, the Department of the Air Force, and this helps uh, the this helps private sector like industry people and academia uh, communicate with the uh, Air Force people uh, mm-hmm. about the problems that they have. And whereas it's it's a big black box. Like when you're trying to talk to somebody in the military, if you're trying to find somebody in the Air Force, I mean, this is a huge organization of, of millions of people. You're mm-hmm. never going to find the exact person that has the problem that you have a solution for if you're an industry person. And even if you do, finding the person that has the money to buy that, yeah. it, like to pay for your thing is, is very difficult. And then even if you find the person that has the money, like making sure that it's the right color of money yeah, is yeah. even more <laughs> difficult. So, um, so what we do is we act as uh, networkers and translators for industry to be able to um, match people up. Like, so Air Force people come to us, Department of the Air Force, which includes Space Force, they come to us and say, hey, we've got this problem, find us people that can solve it. And mm-hmm. like, we have money for this. So we'll pay them as soon as like you find us people that can solve it. That's awesome, and 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 you you mentioned something which is a very intriguing, like right color of money. What 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 did you mean by that? So, um, color of money means like so. Say you have a a project that uh, you want something done, and like it is like it, it would be a marketing project, mm-hmm. but. Uh, the funds that they have are only for an engineering project, ah. even though it is for a marketing thing I for see. the engineers. Okay. Well, they need they need like marketing funds for the engineering team or else they can't do it. So like they, they need to like go through and find money that is ma- that matches the project that it is. Yeah, yeah, no, that's very interesting. And so, um, how long you've been involved in this? Like, uh, can you share any numbers? Like, how many companies you've helped? How much money you've you've been able to sort of uh, help uh, transact with the Air Force or save or what have you? So uh, we've had. Um, I know we're just updating all of the numbers right now. Um, I think there's been something over like uh, sixty million dollars worth of. Uh, grants or, or awards that have yeah, been yeah, given yeah. and uh a couple hundred teams that were awarded from our our, our projects just our afworks challenges yeah. um many 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 more millions um out of the cyber program yeah. um and many 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 more uh, thousands of companies out of that program as well um and uh so it's there's a lot of different uh, ways that you can communicate like come through and I've been involved with this for three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, the program's been around for four. So mm-hmm. the fact that like we've been giving out um, like millions of dollars and lots of contracts for companies that would never have even had government contracts in the first place is pretty cool. Yeah. No, that is amazing. That's uh, 
yeah some of some of the details that you shared with me last time uh, during our meeting the the mind blowing so so that that's great uh, work you're doing now let's come back to your um, your startup uh, journey and uh, your book um, which is a birth of a unicorn so can you tell us a little bit about that so uh birth of a unicorn is based on uh the founding of uh evernote the company so uh, i was one of the original employees at evernote and um i wrote this book to help people understand that uh there's a lot of a lot of work that goes into creating a billion dollar company mm-hmm. um that a lot of people don't see um and like for this it's 13 years from the start of the book to the end of the book um and by the end of the book is when we become the billion dollar company mm-hmm. um so it's it's like it starts at like the company before evernote um and how the team comes together how like the things that we're learning the the like all of the the stuff that we need to learn in order to create the type of company that Evernote becomes mm-hmm. and and also the way that I wrote the book was in a completely different way than than most business books would would be written um I I, I put it in a uh because all of our lives are don't stop at the office mm. I I wrote it as like here's what was happening at work here's what was happening at home I see I see You are listening to Bootstrapping Your Dreams show with Manoj Agarwal. Businesses face numerous challenges like finding the right product market fit, determining the market size, implementing a winning go-to-market strategy, crafting customer-centric USP, competitive analysis, looking for funding, building up cash flow and profitability. We have made a lot of free resources available to the entrepreneurial community, including this podcast. This podcast. We invite you to check out our websites and follow us on social channels. The links are in the show notes. We hope you find the resources useful and utilize them to grow your business. Grow your business. We also have some programs for entrepreneurs. If you find our content useful, then you will definitely find the programs outstanding so do check them out i see that's awesome and so so how was that um how was that experience like for you in particular um going i mean what stage were you involved in like were you involved in when they became a billion dollar company or uh so I was the uh the head of global technical support. So, um there were eight of us when we started. Um there were 450 when I left the company. Um and the uh it was a like it, it was a 7 day a week, 24 hour day, 365 day a year life for me mm-hmm. for the 6 years that that I did it. Um mm-hmm. and uh everyone that was involved had a very similar experience um yeah. except like i was living on my boat <laughs> wow. but, but uh, so they, that wasn't similar but i mean the way that we worked was was very similar that that was yeah. the same for everyone and and it was just it was really really difficult because um and i mean any any startup founder uh is going to feel they're going to feel their story when reading mm-hmm. this book Yeah, no that is amazing. And so um 
So what are some of the key uh, things that you can maybe share? I mean, you know, obviously we don't want to go give away everything, but uh, one or two nuggets that you can share with us that you have seen, because the, you have a very unique uh, vantage point, right? You work with the government, you work with all these innovative companies, you have worked with Evernote. So what is the common thread you can share uh, that that makes a company successful? The the main thing that I have seen that that makes a company successful is that you you have to prioritize the business over all of your relationships. Mm. And um, while that doesn't make you a very nice person to everyone mm. else, yeah. like a successful business. I mean, if you look at Elon Musk, if you look at Jeff Bezos, if you look at Mark Zuckerberg, if you look at Bill Gates, what is like the number one trait that's popping to the top of your head when I'm saying all these? Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, they're the nicest guy in the world. Like it is <laughs> like, because they're not, I mean, they may be a very nice person. I'm, yeah. I don't know, but like, that's not the perception. And there's a reason for that. Um, like my, uh, if you want to be a successful company, you have to not care about what people think about you. You have mm-hmm. to, you have to think about your business above everything else. And most people are smart enough to not do that. <laughs> like, yeah. Like there's there's a few sociopaths like me out there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm kidding. But there's a few people out there that uh will will go and they will um try to to just keep creating successful businesses to the detriment of everything else. Like mm. when I realized what it was costing me, mm. that was when I got off the wheel. I see. I see. That is very, very interesting uh, viewpoint. And so, so like, what are some of the? I mean, you know, after you have, are you after you left Evernote, uh, did you ever try to accumulate m- more ways to counteract that? Like, let's say, if you do get involved in another startup, are you able to draw upon the, that experience and say, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. Yet, I will be able to grow this company. So like, is there an antidote to this as well? Sort of. Um, So basically what I do now is I've found ways to be as careful with my time Mm -hmm. um, as as possible, but also make sure that people know that I'm being careful with my time and theirs. So it's, it's, uh, I mean, and it's, it's all about, Uh, time resources and money when building a company. So you either have to spend time, you either have to use a lot of resources or you either have to spend money. So whenever I'm quoting a client, whenever I'm uh, estimating something for a team, like I, I'm always doing that calculation as quickly as possible. And I'm saying, well, this is going to take too much time. So here's how much it's going to cost. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not willing to throw this many people on it. So here's what, how much it's going to cost. So it always becomes like, this is how much it's going to cost. Yeah. No, that's a very good point. Time is something that will never come back. It's the most precious commodity we have. Um, okay. That's awesome. And so, um, you know, having, uh, having gone through all these different business cycles, different, uh, different types of, uh, startups that are coming up, have you seen any shift in direction or, uh, the kind of uh, ideas people are being successful with 
like is clean tech the the latest thing to get into is mental health the latest thing to get into like are you seeing any any of those trends uh, now in the startup world the there's a lot of different trends uh that are are popping up obviously right now um the main things are solving the global supply chain mm. um that's not going to go away anytime soon um the uh there there's a large call for anything that can solve the uh f- like food tech is huge mm-hmm. ag tech mm-hmm. anything like that and that's going to be a a big thing um and interestingly um i'm seeing like energy as a um it's on the downswing cuz people are um people are realizing that there's just too much back uh i mean the the cost to create all of the energy tech is not I mean, it's causing more fossil fuel backup elsewhere. So um, people like people that can create uh, low ener- low quality energy, um, that's that's high on the list. So sca- energy sca- scavenging is, yeah, is yeah. big. Um, so if you can create energy at low cost from existing things like the garbage piles yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in China yeah. uh, rather than solar, that's yeah, another yeah. one. That's great. That's great. And so, um, you, besides being an innovative uh, leader and technologist, you also are an investor. So, how? Tell us a little bit about that. Like, how does the investor viewpoint changes? Because it's it's a totally different, uh, uh, you know, a totally different priority, totally different mindset. So, when you're sitting on the other side of the eye, uh, of the table as an investor, how does your mindset change? What do you look at and uh, what do you see in the in the startup in the team uh, to be able to make that investment? So there's two things. Like one, it either has to be in my wheelhouse for like what are the things that I actually know about. Because uh, when I invest in somebody, I either want to like completely trust in the team and like I'm just giving them money and I'm going away, yeah. or um, I want to be involved somehow in the company. Um, like not, not like a helicopter investor, but like, just, I want to know something about them because I want to be able to help them, um, to make connections or something. So, uh, what I'm looking for is a team that, uh, has, has the potential to, it's, it's a really hard, uh, thing to quantify, but like, Think about like people that you know mm-hmm. that no matter what they do, they're not going to give up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and when you meet that person, they, they're just putting like you just know that like it, it doesn't matter what the thing is, but they're just going to like keep going. Yeah, and yeah. you're going to have to talk them out of stopping. Yeah, so yeah. when you meet that person, it's just like, oh yeah, here's my money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it goes back to your earlier point that uh, if you want to build a successful business, you you just have to sacrifice a lot of other things, right? Okay. Yeah. And like, so the, so generally it's the people that don't need the money um, that are, I'm most likely, that don't need money from me that I'm most likely to invest in. Mm, I see. That's awesome. And so um, also let's talk about the other side of the coin, which is mistakes. Like what are some of the typical mistakes that you have seen uh, people make um, due to which their idea even though the idea was awesome, uh, 
uh, but they were not able to make it. Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of things. I mean, there's so many great products out there, um, but it's it's usually just like they couldn't get enough market share in time. Um, mm. The they're. I mean, and and that's it's it's a crapshoot. It's always a crapshoot with with a startup. Like you could have the best product in the world, but just for some reason, it like people just didn't find out about you, or even if they did, like they might not have liked the color choice of yeah. your or that. Like for me, um, there was one product that I didn't invest in specifically because like. Uh, and I do a lot of food investing mm -hmm. and like the package that they gave me, like I didn't like the way it felt in my hand. And, and when they did finally launch, like that turned out to be like, I mean, I told them, I was like, you need to change your packaging. And they're like, no, we're already fine. But uh, like, that was the feedback they got that people didn't like to hold the package. Wow. That's interesting. Very interesting. And um, what about, uh, you know, uh, you, you talked about Evernote and I think from what I recall, uh Evernote had some competition but then uh you know we, we uh, like I talk to a lot of startup founders they all always talk about competition they always talk about crowded market so um what are your views around uh, how to handle competition in a particular niche um is it feasible to find greenfield uh projects where there is no competition should you look for competition and if there is competition how do you how, what, what is your advice on dealing with that I would always find a product or, or like where there is competition because somebody else has already done the footwork for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're in a green field, then like you have to spend most of your marketing budget and time in educating people as to what you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's going to be like way more effort and time than most people have. So like, if you're let, let like the, the, P and G's and a company like that do the greenfield stuff. Yeah. You you should do a follow on where there are like there is a big field and just be better than other people at what they're already doing. So like with Evernote, we had OneNote. Microsoft had already done the work for us. Yeah. So all we had to do was be better than than OneNote, which wasn't hard. I see. That's awesome. That's great advice. I I actually uh, I subscribe to the same notion and I share the same thoughts with the startup founders. And, and now you also mentioned that you know one of one of the reasons why startup fails um, is that they don't they're not able to capture the attention of their clients or they're not able to capture the customer base and and uh, get the referrals and whatnot. So how do you how does a startup go about doing that? Because you know they are new, nobody trusts them. Uh, they are they are sort of trying things out. Uh, what is the most effective way? for a startup to start getting revenue, start getting those customers in? Well, the the hardest uh, to get is your first sale, um, mm. which like if you can't convince your mom to spend money on you, then you <laughs> failed. Um, and then you've got to convince like your your best friend and your aunt and, and everybody else to, to buy your product. And if you can't convince them, then you've really failed. Mm -hmm. So like your first sale, like once you've done that, great. Then your next 10, like that's all your friends and family. And now you've got to convince them to mm. let all of their friends and family know. Mm. So like if, if your cousins and, and like their, their friends at work, their coworkers start using it, then, you know, you've got something, but if you can't even convince your, your, your first cousin mm -hmm. to like get his coworker to log into your, your application or to buy your mm. peanut butter or whatever it is, then uh, you failed. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's great. Um, 
and and um so so let's let's carry on this analogy so you know as we start to get these customers and we are targeting a unicorn status a billion dollar status one other thing that i have noticed is how sustainable is the growth because a company can grow and sometimes i've seen companies try to grow too fast and they fail and sometimes they try to grow very slowly and um this is what a lot of people who are not in the startup world they try to see oh growth is growth like what is what does that even mean like fast too fast or too slow have you experienced something like that what are your views on how fast what's what is sustainable growth uh so sustainable growth is uh i mean first you should grow as fast as like your inventory can keep up with you so um and so like whether it's a, a software program where like you're you've got uh servers that you can pay for and that aren't going to go offline um or if you're a company where you have inventory that you have to uh keep then like you have to figure out like how much money you can feasibly pay for in advance yeah. for things to come and and then keep yourself online and that's your growth that that's that's your sustainable growth curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as, as more money comes in, like you can see the scale coming up. So um, if, if you can predict within like, like, I mean, and you can do this like three months out at a time. Yeah, yeah. So like every three months, take another snapshot and see like how much more you can do. But um, your, your sustainable growth is like, if I can, if I can just get a little bit more inventory to get ahead of the people so that they're not waiting for yeah, me to yeah. ship, if I can just pay a little bit more to AWS so that they're not going to shut off my servers, yeah, like yeah. that's, that's what you got to do the calculation. Cause like, you're going to have to put some money on your credit cards. You're going to have mm -hmm. to like take out some loans here in the beginning, but eventually the money's going to start rolling in yeah, and yeah. then that, but you don't want to be too far in the hole. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Um, and then um, one of the other things, you know, we are we are on a show called Bootstrapping Your Dreams. So in, in, in your opinion, do you think as companies grow, they can grow without uh, getting external investments? Or, um, or do you think there is a point where you cannot grow beyond a certain point without getting external investments? Uh, I think that once you get to I mean, so yes, I think that you can get to the point of like, I mean, it's possible to just keep building your company sustainably forever. If you're not trying to, to do hyper growth, then you never need to take external investment. But if you want to be a, like, if you want to scale, uh, a, like into multiple locations, uh, at the same time, and you have the ability to do that successfully, then you are going to have to take internal external investment. But um, for most companies, like they don't ever have to enter that hyper growth phase mm -hmm. and they'll be totally fine. And you can still build generational wealth. Yeah. yeah, That's awesome. Um, now, uh, one of the last questions I ask is about mentors. So, you know, you have had such amazing success, such amazing career. Um, have you had any mentors? And if so, what kind of role did they play in your success? So I've had a lot of mentors in my career. The first one, of course, is my dad. Mm -hmm. um, just always being there, um, still being there 
um, to be able to, to ask for financial advice uh, whenever I needed it. Um, my, uh, he wasn't, he, he's not a computer guy, but he's definitely a financial guy, which has been very helpful. Um, the first person that hired me at THQ, um, he's, he's been around, like he, I can call him up whenever I want. I, I like we, he got me into like multiple jobs, uh, mm -hmm. over the years. Um, and I've, I've actually become mentors and, and advisors to people because of him. So it's like, he's like my mentor grandfather. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I've had a, a bunch of different, uh, people throughout the career, but it, it's like almost all of mine have been men too. So that's, that's an interesting uh, anecdote, but probably because there aren't, uh, there aren't that many women in my career. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, that is, that is great. Well, thank you so much uh, for being with us. This has been a fascinating conversation and uh, thanks so much for sharing your experience. It was a very interesting journey you've had. Uh, now, before I let you go, can you tell us how people can reach out to you if they want to connect with you? Absolutely. Uh, I am Heatheriel on all of the social medias and you can find me on heatheriel.com. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. We'll put those links in the show notes so that uh, people can reach out easily. Thank you, Manish. Thank you. Hey, I'm Sarah, producer of the Bootstrapping Your Dreams Bootstrapping Show. Show. This episode has come to an end. Don't forget to check out the episode show notes for the links to the resources mentioned in this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Until the next episode, goodbye. Keep going and keep winning.